in New Jersey, we found some Welcome to this week's episode of Jersey Matters. We're your hosts. I'm Mike Perino. And I'm Casey McLean. We're bringing you a special election coverage series where we'll go over, well, the 2020 election, including state, presidential, and the ballot initiatives. So let's get to it. So um, the different districts, who's running, stuff like that. Yeah, let's go into that. Um, So I guess we do the first district first, just to keep it. um, So what I did was I searched... New Jersey first district and then Ballotpedia, um, or 2020, first district 2020, and it popped up. So yeah, let's get into it. New Jersey's district one. So the general election candidates for the first district are Donald Norcross, Norcross. He's an incumbent Democratic. (laughs) And then Claire Gustafson. Yeah, that's anyone's (laughs) guess. Gustafson. And from what we're seeing, there's a lot of campaign money going into one side, and that is Democratic candidate Nora Cross. Um, He's received about almost 2.1, let's round it up, million dollars. And the challenger, Claire, she's around, I'm going to round it up, (laughs) 65,000. Kind of a sad showing of um, campaign finance. But I think we talked about this we're probably going to talk about it throughout this whole series of uh, visiting the districts and the campaign financing and all the great stuff that comes with local elections. But incumbents, especially during COVID times, they're going to have the advantage and name recognition in their districts. And then also the competitive advantage of being already part of the, I think, Colin Millay, founder of Fieldwind, says it all the time, but the Democratic machine in New Jersey, which is if you're a Democrat and you're an incumbent, you're going to get funding to keep your seat warm because uh, <laughs> that's how New Jersey works. So, exactly. And also, just to add, I think there's a lot of anti-Republican energy channeled yes. into this election because of how controversial the president is, plus like the the pandemic and Great Depression that we're in. So you're getting a lot of uh, f- uh, funders f- uh, flowing money to like Democrats all down ballot. Because um, the numbers you're, you're <laughs> some of the numbers we're going to see here are just like this, like really heavily imbalanced in favor of the Democrats in terms of uh, donor money. Yeah. So yeah. So um, we'll and just a little bit more information on him. I'm at his uh, congressional website. Um, so just a quick overview of him. Born and raised in South Jersey, he's apparently committed to improving the lives of working families by focusing on the issues that matter most to them: raising wages. Strengthening our economy, affordable access to high quality education, and supporting the brave men and women that protect our nation and neighborhoods. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure it, it didn't Colin say this is one of the this is one of the guys who's like in pockets with the uh, insurance companies and stuff. Uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those things of that's basically the bread and butter of every candidate you know that's running for anything now is. I support my troops. I think we should have high quality education and a livable wage and strengthen the economy. Like, okay, what, what sets you apart? <laughs> oh, here comes Stella. Um, yeah, basically all of the politicians on here are going to have the most boring, like empty slogans. It's, it's Promises. And that's another thing. Like I'm trying to find more information on Claire. She just, just seems, 
It's just a Republican. <laughs> it's just a generic Republican they chose to. I'm serious. Like, like, we have to throw someone up there. Claire, we vote you. But it's also kind of sad because if she was a part of any kind of Republican machine, she'd at least get more funding. But she does have a website. Meet Claire. What can we say about her? She has roots in the Garden State that predate the Revolutionary War. She was born at Fort Mammoth. Um, <laughs> she attended Hardy Elementary and Gordon Junior High School. Why are you saying this? This is the kind of stuff. It's just nothing. Uh, she's On had issues, a... she's against illegal immigration. <laughs> she doesn't think the United States should be a sanctuary state. Uh... She's surprised against abortion. Pro Second Amendment. She thinks she... The her impeachment nonsense is a joke. My face um, be the last last line in her uh, her opinion on illegal immigration. No, I didn't know. Let's build Let's the wall, build wall. Yeah, to so help prevent. This is what, yeah. <laughs> Let's build the wall to help prevent more illegal border crossings and stop rewarding bad behavior. Basically, I, it looks like the Republicans are just running the same candidate everywhere in the country. And just throwing um, a, a couple thousand their way and saying, that, "Here, it's yeah. a straw man candidate approach. Let's get someone in there." Against uh, Donald. Yeah, so that's pretty much it for Claire. Seems <sighs> uh, to be the same kind of crazy stuff that you come to expect um, in American politics these days. Yeah, but that's uh, District 1. <laughs> yeah. New Jersey's District 2. So this is a good one. basically who's running for District 2 is an incumbent, Jeff Van Drew, Republican against Amy Kennedy, who's a Democrat. So Van Drew was first elected in 2018 as a Democrat after he defeated Seth Grossman, a Republican, 53% to 45%. Um, in December of 2019, he switched his party affiliation from Democrat to Republican the day before he was one of the two House Democrats to vote against both articles of impeachment against uh, President Donald Trump. So... That's pretty bold move. Um, <laughs> that, uh, as of right now, Jeff Van Drew's current uh, key messages is that President Trump has endorsed him because he needs a conservative <laughs> fighter in Congress, someone who will stand up to the radical left, securing the border, growing our economy, defending our American values. So, again, it's the same kind of like boilerplate republicanism. Van Drew said his priorities were bringing economic opportunity and good jobs to South Jersey and ensuring that the count, uh, the country's tax structure, health insurance system, and trade policies benefited the district's business owners and families. Van Drew's campaign website emphasized bipartisanship, saying he would reach across the aisle and do what's right. He's very familiar with reaching across the yes. aisle. So he reached so hard <laughs> that he stretched party affiliation. So Amy Kennedy... She's basically emphasizing that four generations of her family had lived in South Jersey, which, again, I don't know why anyone cares. Um, <laughs> she highlighted her background as a public school teacher and mental health advocate. That's cool. Kennedy said that she would fight for affordable health care, lower drug prices, relief from this economic crisis, and continue the Kennedy legacy of putting people first. Is she like one of those Kennedys, I guess? All right. I don't uh, I don't know. I know she apparently based on the candidate summary, she has a teaching background, which I guess is good, but it it's it seems like she's been thrown up against uh Van Drew because of his party switch. 
you know? Yeah. It's looking close. According to uh, these Monmouth poll, there's a Monmouth poll mm-hmm. that was done September 26th to October 1st. So, And it has... 44% in favor of Van Drew and 49% in favor of Kennedy with six undecided, although it's got a margin of error of 4.1. Yes, a, so a major base, margin of error. It's a major margin of error. It's basically <laughs> right where anyone could win, so it's very close. Yeah, who um, knows? <laughs> now, this is interesting, too, because we got uh, information of how much they're spending, right? Yeah. So Amy Kennedy has received about $4.2 million in donations uh with jeff andrew receiving 3.8 million and um so you can see they're basically neck and neck in terms of the amount of funding which i think one of the ways you can tell that a seat is competitive is is how much money is being floated into that so like so for the previous person we saw that was like you know the republicans gave like it was like tens of thousands of dollars versus millions like they knew they didn't have a chance but on this one they're they're hoping they can keep it you can see it they're they're spending the kind of money that shows that and also the the figure that I think is interesting on this this statistic is that the cash on hand, Kennedy only has about a hundred thousand dollars left. The election is literally next week, and then Jeff Van Drew has seven hundred forty thousand basically on we, hand. We know we know from the primary that a lot of people decide um, when to vote. Believe it or not, uh, day the of. day before the day <laughs> of the election. Um, that might not be true for the presidential election. Um, I imagine people have kind of already figured that out. I don't think there's many undecideds. But for like these, I know this isn't a small election, but relatively smaller elections, like maybe people weren't paying attention. They don't know. And they're trying to figure that out. So yeah. yeah, you definitely want to have some money right before the election to just get those last minute ads out there. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, his deep connection to Van Drew's connection to Trump. Like you can be a Republican and be like a local, you know, elected official and be Republican and not have close Trump ties. But the fact that he significantly has stood beside Trump, I wonder if that's going to help or hurt his reelection campaign. She has full, like, a st- I don't want to say establishment, but it is establishment, like establishment <laughs> backing. So she's got the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Star Ledger editorial boards have endorsed her. Uh, Governor Murphy has endorsed her. Former President Barack Obama's endorsed her. And, of course, uh, Joe Biden has endorsed her. Whereas of basically <laughs> he only has uh, Trump, but um, I think people make too much about endorsements anyway. I think what Hillary Clinton had hundreds of more endorsements from like major people than yeah than Trump. The endorsements don't really matter that much because because people have to like the people that are doing the endorsing, right? Yeah. So like, how many people do you know read the Philadelphia Inquirer and Star Ledger? Not to knock them too hard, but realistically, <laughs> come on. I mean, if the if the New York Times' endorsements of, of two people in the Democratic primary had zero effect, what effect does the Star-Ledger and Philadelphia Inquirer's endorsements have? I would say probably less than the New York Times. Yeah. So that's about it. They, they, they're <laughs> all kind of doing the same stuff. He's running on as just another Republican, and she's running as basically uh, – well, she does say she wants a worker's bill of rights. That's kind of interesting. Um, but Yeah, but it, it's just going to be more – I mean, it's not a standout candidate either way. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be really heads or tails with this one because they both have equal spending right now or equal fundraising. They both have name recognition. And, I mean, that's what I think endorsements really just do is that you get your name publicized more. And Van Drew already had one as a Democrat in his district. So people voted for him in his district already. So I would... I don't know. I don't want to be the one leaning towards like, the Republicans going to win, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if in this this district it would it would stay. I mean, it depends on how angry people are that he yeah. switched. Because <laughs> I can see like if you voted for a Democrat and then he switched, I'd be like, what in the hell? Like, yeah, that'd be betrayal. So it really depends if he gets punished. I'd say for for that sort of sort of yeah. thing. But we'll it's see. Interesting. I'm excited to see that how that turns out because it'll really speak to how hostile even local elections have gotten, um, mm. especially because he switched. Should we move on to District 3? New Jersey's District 3. District 3. Actually, this can I do this Your one? district. This you district. can do this. Yeah, 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 I'll do this one. So uh, <laughs> this is my district, so I think it's interesting. We got Andy Kim. He's the incumbent versus David Richter, Republican. And to give a quick background on Andy Kim, again, this is all off ballotpedia. He was first elected in 2018, and he defeated the Republican uh, Tom MacArthur. It was 50% to 49%. It was very, very close. And the second uh, time he won, uh, or sorry, so Kim's victory was the second time since 2010 that the third district has changed partisan control. So his 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 win was pretty big. It 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 really really important because it's a weird area of New Jersey District Three. It's uh, part of <laughs> Burlington County, and Trump actually won the district uh, in 2016, 51 percent to 45 percent in 2016, and. It is one of the 30 House districts nationally that chose a Republican for president in 2016, uh, but is represented by a Democrat uh, in 2020. And it's looking kind of close. I'm not sure. I c- we don't ha- totally have all the data. So um, just to give you some more information on their campaign finance, we have it for Andy Kim, right? He's getting about yeah. $6.7 million, and he has cash on hand right now, $852,000. And we don't have the data for David Richter, though I am seeing a ton of David Richter ads on YouTube and elsewhere. And um, so I, I think he's get, he has some cash. And I imagine because of how close it was last time, this is one of the ones where I imagine there's a lot of money uh, being spent. But unfortunately, I don't have the exact money for like what the Federal Election Commission was, was given to them. But Ballopedia does have something that's interesting, which is satellite spending. And satellite spending is uh, outside spending by political groups that are technically not controlled by their campaign, but we all know how that is. So <laughs> with in terms of Richter has let's see. So in support of Richter, he's getting sixty three thousand uh, dollars. campaigns that are against Richter, three million dollars. <laughs> uh, campaigns that are in support of Kim are getting two hundred and eighty three thousand some dollars and opposed to him are five hundred and forty six. So nearly 000. half a million. Yeah. So looking at that, it's looking not good for Richter <laughs> um, because he's getting outspent both in terms of opposition and in terms of third parties that are supporting him. Now, um, he would have to also match like maybe seven million, eight million dollars to try to directly outcompete Andy Kim. But after looking at the numbers, it feel a little more comfortable for Andy Kim. But just. Based on how close it was in 2018, it's, it's still the, the district worries me. And I think it was one of the ones Colin said that he was really interested in. Yeah, because I think Andy Kim during the uh, the primaries, there was more, I think, you know, heat going on him because he was, I think, I forgot who he was, who was like running against him for the, the Democratic ticket. But I remember hearing him a lot and hearing about him a lot in that race. And he made it through that. So I think he'll probably skirt through this because... I don't know. I don't really know how effective negative campaigns are. Negative campaigns typically reduce turnout. They don't. From a lot of studies show that they don't actually boost people to vote 
against somebody, it stops people from voting. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, in, in this case, but it also depends on, on how the ads are. So if they're like fully negative, that like, well, I don't know what an, an, uh, like an anti-Richter ad looks like, right? It, it could just be saying, an anti-Richter ad could just be like, don't vote for him because Kim has done all this stuff. In which case, that's not yeah. really a <laughs> negative ad. But if it's one yeah. of those like hardcore negative ads where it's just like, this person's corrupt, he's done this, done that, then, uh, that might actually reduce voter uh, turnout but in this case i think there's so many exceptional reasons why turnout is going to be pretty high that i'm not yeah. sure I, I don't see how uh how it won't go towards him so what are the race ratings okay so i didn't know about this so the cook political report inside elections and sabato's crystal ball rate rate um each race as indicating if one party is perceived to have an advantage in the race or not and Two of them are saying it's leaning de- Democratic, and one of these groups are saying it's likely Democratic. I, I, I don't know. It's probably not even worth mentioning because I don't know um, the <laughs> metrics they use to do this. But, yeah, so that's it. I, I'm I'm hoping Andy Kim wins again. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, he, I guess I welcome my new Republican overlord. <laughs> he won't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, do we move on to District 4? Yes. New Jersey's District 4. Okay, District 4. The candidates in this, it's funny because uh, (laughs) there's a lot of people on the ballot and there's some interesting uh, third-party choices. So heading into this election for this district, we have Republican Chris Smith, who was elected first in 1980. And then uh, he is the incumbent for the Republican Party. So... Stephanie Schmidt, she is the challenger from the Democratic Party, but there's also Andrew Pachuta, P-A-C-H-U-T-A, from the Common Sense Party, and Michael Ruffo from the Libertarian Party, and then Hank Schroeder, Schrodener, who is from the Make Change Happen Party. So, <laughs> I, you know, I've said before, I love my third party candidates, but it's also that the messaging and the spreading of information that really will help your campaign and help your party be more established, especially in New Jersey, which, you know, it's a very expensive state to run for any kind of office. But he I mean, I'm trying to figure out more information on him and what what that means. But again, if you're running for office, especially in New Jersey, and you're doing a third party ticket, He's got a campaign Facebook. Let's check this out. Yeah, please. Because I'm trying to figure out what make, what make change happen party, what it does. Because uh, he got on the ballot, which is Hank amazing. Hank says tomorrow is looking great. Voteforhank.com. Okay, so we got a website. Voteforhank.com. It just goes to fucking Facebook page. Goddamn oh, boomers. I wanted I to buy it, but I, like, there's nothing There's nothing I there. I know. Like, it, I don't think it actually... It just has pictures of him with his signs and like random people with the signs. Well, at least the Common Sense Party has some, on Battlepedia, they have a breakdown. Their party values, I don't want to say they're sketchy, but there's energy. There's nothing like New Jersey Common Sense Party. It's why uh, with, like, third parties and stuff, it's not necessarily good to just have third Like, they have to actually have, like, when people say vote third party, like, I don't even like that. I don't like that (laughs) slogan because it's like, there's a couple of them, and some of them are, like, absolutely nonsense or crazy like you should we should be like you know vote for 
a third party that's actually got a platform <laughs> trying to do yeah. something. Yeah. And it should be easy to you should be able to Google someone's name, Google their party affiliation, know what voting for them means. But it's not yeah. that easy, apparently. So those are the people that are on the ballot. <laughs> this competition is really based you know, between, in my belief, somewhat it looks like the Republican and Democrat. That's where the money looks, seems to be. Looks like but, Chris Smith's going to win. Yeah, so Chris Smith, the, did I say he's the incumbent? Yeah, um, he's the incumbent, the Republican yeah, incumbent. The, the Republican incumbent. He has about $1.3 million that he's received. And then Stephanie Schmidt, she's just about $750,000. And, you know, good for her. She was able to raise that much, but... This, you know, it's coronavirus. It's an incumbent. And also, do you see these race ratings? They're saying that uh, they're all solid, which indicates that one party <laughs> has a clear advantage and the race is not competitive. And it's yeah. all solidly Republican. So, like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, that it'll be a, another red seat. But, you know, if that's what the you know electorate wants, then that's what they get. Um, that's the point of a democracy. But that's really all the information on District 4. You know, good for them that they're getting third parties on the ballot. Um, Not too sure what those third parties mean, but it does mean they got enough votes or signatures to be on the ballot. So that's (laughs) that's something about the district, right? Yeah. So they're open to new ideas over there. Up next, the fifth district. New Jersey's District 5. So, Mike, the fifth district. So the current incumbent is Josh Gottheimer, and the main Republican candidate against him is Frank Pelota. And you also got the American Values Party, um, <laughs> which uh, uh, Louis Vellucci, Louis Vellucci, maybe. And it looks like it's pretty safely uh, Democratic based off of what these three rating agencies are saying. And also the money in the campaign is heavily, heavily towards Gottheimer. So he has... Seven million dollars in receipts, two point eight million dollars in, in disbursements, which somehow equals eight million dollars <laughs> cash on hand. I'm now questioning if I can't read the table or if this information is wrong, but we'll just move on. So Frank Pelota has uh, one point. He's somehow making money receipts. on this deal. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to check those books. Um, so yeah, he's probably gonna win. All the Democrats and all the Republicans have pretty much the same platform. I mean, not towards each other. Like, all the Democrats have, like, the same. There's, I, I haven't found one that's been uh, interesting yet. Yeah. Like, there's never going to be, like, a... That's because... Well, that makes sense, though, right? Because we yeah. covered the primaries, and all of the interesting candidates that were, like, genuine people's candidates, they, they lost. Yeah. And we, we went over that. Uh, we were like, you know, this is going to be a pretty boring election right now outside of the uh, presidential stuff but on the local level it's going to be all these incumbents and um establishment types just coasting in which is pretty much what's happening yeah uh, so we'll move on to the sixth district sixth we're almost district. done new jersey's district six halfway so, halfway there <laughs> yeah so the sixth district real quick is the incumbent a democrat frank pallone versus christian An- anuaha that's the Republican Party candidate. And um, we don't have any information on her money, but he's getting about $3 million, And um, he's also doing that magic trick where he has more cash on hand than the receipt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this is also another one where it's pretty solidly Democrat. And if you look at the in 2018, 
Um, you can see kind of why it was solidly Democrat. So he won against his Republican opponent 63.6% uh, to 36.4%. So it's going to be very hard to see how that gets reversed with a new candidate. Yeah, um, it's pretty comfortable. That is a pretty comfortable lead. Uh, would you like to do the 7th District? Sure. New Jersey's District 7. So the 7th District election, we have incumbent Tom <laughs> Malinowski. And we have Thomas Keene Jr. being the Republican challenger. I've Battle the Toms. Battle the Toms. One is T-H-O-M-A-S and the other is T-O-M. Um, <laughs> I don't know but, the platform, but purely based on the name, I think the one with the H should win. Yeah, it's more sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> but this looks like Malinowski was first elected in 2018, defeating the Republican incumbent. So I want to highlight this because this district was Republican, switched to Democrat, and then now we have the Battle of the Toms to really see if it'll go blue, it'll stay blue, or it'll turn red. If we look at their campaign spending, we have, oh, this looks like a, a interesting race. So the incumbent, Malinowski, for the Democrats, he's received $6.4 million. And Thomas with the H for the Republican Party <laughs> has received $3.5 million. And did you see the satellite spending on how much they're spending in opposition against Malinowski? Oh, tell me. Almost four, <laughs> almost four million dollars. Ooh. In oppositional uh, advertising and things like that. And then for Keene, it's also almost through four point four million dollars. So this district's getting bombarded with uh, ads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're really going to see on Election Day where this will switch because or if it will, just because it's recent history, it was Republican. So I think this will be an interesting race. And already they've been, um, who is it? The endorsements, which is just something nice to know about um, for the publicity factor. So Governor Murphy, this past, well, a few days ago, seems like October 25th, um, <laughs> we're recording on the 27th, Phil Murphy endorsed Malinowski. And then um, on the 21st, a few days before that, six local papers owned by the New Jersey Hills Media Group endorsed Malinowski. And then Keene on October 14, 2020, was endorsed by Stockton Borough Mayor Tim Namath, who's Democrat, and then former Westfield Councilman Tony Laporta, who is also a Democrat. So it's interesting that Keene, even though he's the Republican candidate for this seat, he's being endorsed by some Democrats. And the Democrat, Malinowski, who is the incumbent, um, is also being endorsed by the governor as well as local, you know, media. So what does that mean? I think this is a, a toss up because, you know, of all the reasons I already said, you know, it's also going to be interesting to see name confusion on the ballot to have two Toms. <laughs> that would be funny if people vote for the wrong Tom. Like, and the fact that they, you know... The history of the the district going from, you know, Republican, Democrat, this could be another swap to the, the Republican Party. But yeah, again, and also the party platforms are pretty consistent throughout the New Jersey Republicans and the Democratic uh, New Jerseyans, you know. This isn't I think a state that innovates in terms no. of like um, <laughs> coming up with like interesting political strategies or uh, Not try to like, um, well, innovate in really any sense. So that's it's unfortunate, yeah. but it's just the way the machine is. Yeah, but that's uh, the seventh district. Yeah. The so long and to, short of it. <laughs> on, on to the eighth. New Jersey's district eight. The eighth district is seeing the incumbent Albio Sires. 
Democrat, running against uh, Jason Mushnick, a Republican, and Dan Delaney, a, a Libertarian. So it's not really much information in terms of uh, funding. Uh, we, we can tell that the Democratic Party candidate, Albio Ceres, it has $532,000. Dollars and then cash on hand currently 171,466 bucks, uh, but there's no data for anybody else, and we don't have any information on satellite data. So I'll try to give you some stuff about what happened in 2018, and I think you'll can you can see why maybe uh, this is this is going to be solidly in favor of the Democratic candidate. In 2018, during the general election, Albio took home 78.1 percent of the votes against his top Republican candidate, which was 18.7. So I think this is basically going to just go straight Democrat uh, here. I don't, I don't see how, how it couldn't. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like, especially because there's not a lot of information on campaign spending for this district, it just, you know, it seems like it's going to go. That's the nature um, of, the, the, of the Democratic Party in New Jersey. That We are like basically a Democrat-run state, and Colin mentioned it before, but it's basically like a machine. So there's only a very few seats that are competitive and interesting from the sense of like it might switch yeah and it's also if it happened to switch it's not going to be a dramatic switch you know what i mean it's not going to be out of nowhere and people have you know prepared themselves for it i don't think because we're a purple state so if there's Mm -hmm. no spending in a district and there's not much publicity on the candidates it's probably going to stay where it is with the incumbent especially during covid times (laughs) exactly New Jersey's District 9. So the ninth, I'll do the ninth, I'll run through the ninth real quick. Uh, you have the incumbent, a Democrat, Bill Pascrell, against the uh, Republican candidate, Billy Prempa. And also you have the Veteran for Change Party running Chris <laughs> Oriema. And Sounds uh, this, correct. Is, this is also another solidly Democratic district. You have uh, Bill Pascrell raising about a, about $1.4 million. And then the Republican uh, this is another, bill, another Billy, battle of the bills. Uh, bill, battle of the bills and Billies. So then you have Billy running and with thirty-two thousand. So there's really no chance here. Those agencies that we talked about, uh, they're all listing it as solidly or safe Democratic. And in the last election in 2018, Bill Prescott won against his Republican opponent, uh, 70.3% to 28.9. So but I also I want to highlight they're yeah. both Bill P. They're both Bill. Yeah. Last yeah. name beginning with P. Do you think so, that's the Republican strategy is to just use someone with a similar name to try yeah. to get sympathy votes? Like, oh, I was what vote Bill, vote Bill, vote Bill, vote yeah. Bill. Go into the oh, ballot yeah, box. Yeah. <laughs> I meant, I meant, oh, wrong Bill. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, um, um, but, you know, it seems like a pretty open and shut case for the, the 9th District. Um, probably going to stay blue. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, up next, the 10th District. <laughs> New Jersey's District 10. Okay, so this district we have in the general election, we have the incumbent Donald Payne Jr. We have who is Democratic Party. (laughs) Coolest name yet in this uh, this overview of who's running for for what. But we also have Jennifer Zanone, who is a Republican Party candidate. Got Kalaya Fichetti for Building Your Legacy Party. We got John Marion for the Libertarian Party and Akil Calafini for the Independent Party. So, or no, strike that. I think he's just independent. I don't think he's, <laughs> I don't think it's a party. I think it's just a, a non-affiliation. But Donald Payne Jr. is the incumbent. I think we covered him before. And I think he 
I think his father was also. So Donald Payne Sr. was also involved in New Jersey politics. So I'm pretty sure he's a legacy candidate. So that also will play into his name recognition, you know, whatever. We can do a quick look over his uh, the spending. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so. It's got the wrong candidates. It's got the wrong information. Um, that's not okay. Ballopedia. Um, but if we could find Ballopedia, we're really relying on you for all this information. <laughs> It's not on his uh his specific page. page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So the information isn't readily available. Um, <laughs> but what we can predict is that again, as is most God, cases yeah. in New Jersey, being a Democrat, being a legacy candidate, and having that name recognition, you know, I'm not expecting any other Republican challenger or any of the third party candidates to really uh, outspend him or get him out of his his seat. Uh, so that's pretty much going to be an open and shut case. I really he's he's someone that's been known for a very long time. And even me, who I'm not part of his district, but just in the periphery of doing research on New Jersey politics, I know his name. I know his family. And that that aids uh, very, very well in this kind of a time of election with being in a pandemic and all that great stuff. But I'm not seeing any specific endorsements. But again, I think that's because there are. More challenging races in the state do call for someone to endorse, but that's really it for this district. New Jersey's District 11. So the 11th district is the Democratic incumbent Mikey Sherrill against the Republican (laughs) Rosemary Betchy, and he's thoroughly outspending. Uh, Mikey is thoroughly <laughs> outspending uh, Rosemary, six million to about 1.3 million, and this is another one of those where it's listed as solid or safely Democratic, and you, you can kind of oh sorry, Mikey Mikey Shrell is is a woman, so I just misgendered. <laughs> um, there was no picture. Edit that out. <laughs> but at any rate, um, she she won. Mikey won uh, 56.8% to 42.1% in the 2018 election. So it's probably likely something similar is going to happen. I mean, you, you would need a over a 10-point jump to switch. I, I just don't see that happening. And um, also, fun fact I just learned by checking her out, she and her husband both tested positive for coronavirus back in April. Oh, wow. That's, that's so, actually pretty crazy. Yeah. I think that's um, one of the first uh, New Jersey politicians to... That I've seen so far, because like, you don't hear much about it. You know what I mean? No, um, yeah, I know there was a mayor. Uh, a New Jersey mayor uh, is one of the first people to have gotten uh, confirmed coronavirus, uh, actually in like the world, because uh, uh, he. I remember we covered it. He claimed that he got it. It's confirmed he has the antibodies, but he said he got sick in November. So it kind of upsets the entire timeline. Uh, yeah. And most of the news hasn't like picked up on that at all. But it's pretty well it's, known. It's New Jersey. Yeah. And lastly, the 12th district. Would you like to cover that? Yeah, 12th district. I believe that's my district. New Jersey's District 12. For the 12th district, we have Bonnie Watson Coleman, who is the incumbent for the Democratic Party, and the Republican challenger, Mark Rizzoli. We also have, again, another interesting third-party candidate, Kenneth Cody, for the Truth, Vision, Hope Party. And then we have Robert Edward Fortune Forch Fortune Jr., who is an independent. Yeah, and <laughs> as of right now, the campaign spending, it's 
minimal on both sides. So the Democratic uh, candidate, Bonnie, she's received 743000 just about. And then Mark for the Republican Party has received around $3,000. So <laughs> the ratings for this, this district is solidly Democrat, basically across the board. And uh, it's because, again, when you don't have much spending in a race, you know, it, it indicates that there's not much of a, a challenge in that race. So this is going to be a safe blue seat and it's pretty much safe. Like you're not going to see a lot of local media outlets talking about this race. You know, there's not going to be any campaign on social media, anything like that because it's a safe seat, but that's really it for the 12th district of New Jersey. There's you know no surprises in that. <laughs> so those are the 12 districts of, of our uh, congressional races. <laughs> New Jersey's 2020 Senate race. Real quick, let's do the Senate thing. The only Senate seat that's up for election right now is Cory Booker's. And he's looking like he's pretty safe as well. So you got Cory Booker. He's the incumbent, of course. And there's a few people running against him, but let's be honest, they're not going to win. So you got (laughs) Rick Mehta, the Republicans, Madeline Hoffman, Green Party candidate, Daniel Burke. LaRouche was right party. Veronica Fernandez of by four party. And then Luis uh, Ver... Verga, Vergara, who is a, a independent write-in. So Cory Booker is receiving $7.3 million in direct donations, and that is more than everyone <laughs> else combined. They don't even reach breach uh, 700000 So I really think it's pretty much solidly, safely Democratic. Uh, the one thing I would say is uh, one of the, we just got done going over all of the districts and stuff like that, and um, some of them had third-party candidates. This one, for instance, has third-party candidate Madeline Hoffman for trying to like, take Booker's seat. And I think, like, you know, we've talked about how we would like to have a third party and we want them and how difficult it is for third parties to run. But I think a lot of it is that they're not very strategic in what seats uh, that they do run for. So, like, in order to win, like, a presidential election, you have to demonstrate that you can win elections. So people then start at, like, the federal level trying to take Senate seats and congressional seats. But in order to win those, you have to no, demonstrate that you can already govern and win stuff. So you have to take local, uh, state-level stuff. But in order to get state-level seats, you got to win local-level stuff. And throughout the state, there's a bunch of seats that are open. There's always is in my in my district, in my district or my town. I mean, there's always three seats that are technically open for school board council. And it always says pick three and there's only two people running, meaning that any third party. <laughs> and this is reflected all over the state in random seats like these. Any third party could just run a candidate, get a couple votes and then immediately be on there. Then they can start, you know, governing and demonstrating that they're able to do stuff that benefits people. I think that would be a better strategy than running like failed uh, candidates over and over again in like futile elections. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's also a spending issue, too, across the state. Like, if you're, I mean, we don't have the actual breakdown of on the campaign financing. And I know that's an initiative the Murphy administration is trying to do. I think they started a special committee or something to really dig deep down. I think that was after some North Jersey law firm. We covered it a while ago, was doing illegal campaign donations. And it was like a, almost like a, I think it was a pay-for-play situation, which yeah, it is was. not uncommon in New Jersey. But <laughs> if we were to, as a state, you know, if you're on the ballot, you have a certain amount of money that's allocated to your campaign instead of this overwhelming amount of money from the DNC or the RNC just funneling into our elections. And really, I guess... I don't know how else mucking it up for anyone else who would want to run. You know what I mean? So all the people who are independent or, you know, 
those fringe third party <laughs> groups that I've never seen before, but are on the ballot because they've received enough uh, signatures to be on the ballot. And I think if you're able to get on the ballot, you should be able to get enough funding so that if you're in a race for a, a seat in Congress and the people who are spending there are spending millions of dollars, there's no way you can compete. And especially with the incumbent, overwhelming amount of fundraising that everyone we've seen who's in an incumbent spot, they've at least received a million dollars. You know, it's speaking to the point that there is a problem in our elections, local and upwards. (laughs) And it's, you know, the people are suffering from it because if you're an incumbent, you're guaranteed like Cory Booker, seven point three million dollars for his, his Senate seat the next outspending every single person who is in the race, you know, not even close for the Republican received, you know, half a million basically. So why do you have all that money for a seat that's basically guaranteed to you? It just, can I keep track of $7 million in my campaign race? Probably not. Like <laughs> you know they generally are allowed to keep like they're, they keep the money. Yeah. It is the opportunity for so much corruption to go down. It is the opportunity for different voices and opinions and beliefs to be shut down. And do I think Cory Booker has <laughs> the best, you know, intentions for the average New Jersey voter? No, because, you know, he's said he's been bought before, like from the uh, big pharma. You know, he shot down the the uh, what was it, the bill to allow people to go across Canada for cheaper medication and, you know, things like that that happen. You know, when you allow this amount of money is an egregious amount of money to be in a politician's hands for an easily won race, you know, like all he yep. probably needed to spend was a million dollars. What is the point? But that's that's where we're at, unfortunately. So that's great. So, like, thanks for um, listening to the special edition of, of our podcast of Jersey Matters. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hope we'll see you after the election. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we're not silenced and uh, (laughs) censored and shut down. But thanks for listening, everyone. Signing off, this is Casey. This is Mike. Goodbye.